been a long day. You're tired, hungry, and frustrated. You're walking alone on the beach, shaking your head, getting some fresh air, and you spot the only snack stand there. You can choose either a hamburger or a hot dog. You've just enough cash on hand for either. Which will you buy? Definitely the hamburger. And what condiments will you put on it to make it perfect? Uh, probably just ketchup. Just ketchup. Yeah. All right. Now you're sitting on the beach about to enjoy your wonderful hamburger with ketchup on it. And a dog comes out of nowhere, grabs your hamburger, and is off with it. What kind of dog would you hope it is so you won't run after that dog and rip the hamburger out from its teeth? <laughs> uh, a golden retriever. Uh, well, why that dog? Why would why would she rip it out of a golden retriever's mouth? Uh, they're just very cute, and I like them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which would be the worst possible dog to attempt to do that with you? It would make you want to rip its throat out. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be the worst dog? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like if any dog ate my hamburger, I would just let it be. They they could enjoy it at that point. <laughs> Is that an answer? Okay. <laughs> All right. Now you're sitting on a rock by the beach, shaking your head, saying, what a day, what a day, what a day this is. Up walks someone, and now there's a huge smile on your face. Who's the person that just arrived? Uh, that would be my manager. Ah. Uh, now, you're ready to leave the beach. Where will the two of you go? What time is it? <laughs> it's, it's late in the day. Okay. Uh, well... We'll go watch some live music. Now, when you woke up this morning, what was the first thing you thought of? Uh, <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> you're not more hamburger. <laughs> you're hungry. <laughs> All right. Do you normally wake up hungry? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Saul Kurtz, my guest for today. Saul, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Neville, for having me.
Maybe I can find a way to get the words I say inside your mind all day. Mr. Executive, I know what the answer is. Long you can tell, a hook strong you tell. Got a dream from a wishing well. Mr. Executive, I know what the answer is. Gotta find the right to get the body to move. Now you know that the boards be cheap Same verse, same chord, same records in the store It's no wonder that all these artists are poor Writers, writers, lips thinking higher Shrinking inside just to get you to like them Gotta be real, gotta make the fans feel Like the problems in their life Won't make them kneel down, kneel down Till they can't breathe now All I'm saying is we gotta make something real now Something that'll make the world stand up and hear how You don't have to bow down to reach a common ground Executive, I know what the answer is. Strong you can tell, a hook strong you tell. Got a dream from a wishing well, Mr. Executive. I know what the answer is. Gotta find the right to get the body to move. That's what we're meant to do. Both have 
kind of had a really nice balance in my life, you know, being able to be active and, and play tennis during the day and then at night be able to make music and, and play music for people. So that's kind of, you know, the quickest synopsis of, <laughs> of me and what I do. Oh, you mentioned that um, you've been playing the piano ever since you were a little kid, but I noticed on on all the music that I've listened to you using the, the guitar. Um, yes. Is there a, a shift of the guitar you've learned only five years ago? Um, have you got a preference to the guitar? or, or? Um, Well, you know, what really happened was I played piano for a really long time, but I was learning classical music. Mm-hmm. And I was enjoying it, but I got to a point where I, I really wanted to be playing more, you know, popular music that I was hearing on the radio mm-hmm. and I don't know what it was I don't think it was that my parents didn't want me to play it or anything I just wasn't able to play that kind of music somehow so I stopped playing piano for a good two years mm-hmm. and it was eventually just my own desire to want to learn pop music on my own that got me back into playing music really and playing piano mm-hmm. but the reason why I, I write mostly with guitar and that you hear mostly guitar in my songs is because guitar to me is just more accessible and you know I do I do travel a lot and guitar is something that I can just bring with me anywhere or it's something that like if I have it in my room I can pick it up for five minutes and put it down uh, it's not like a huge you know instrument even though there are smaller pianos it's just not something that's quite as portable as a guitar and there's just something about being able to strum and have a keep a rhythm while you're also playing chords mm-hmm. is really helpful for songwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's why I kind of lean more towards guitar when I'm writing songs. But I do I have a couple songs where I put piano in, and I use piano more as like a background instrument to fill out the sound a little bit. But I haven't really used it as a lead instrument for a song yet. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're writing a song, are you uh, are, do, does the music come first or the lyrics come first to you or, or is there's no order? Um, it, it really depends. I mean, sometimes it depends like really what's inspiring me. Sometimes like I hear a line or I think of a, you know, a just like a clever lyric or something that I feel like inspires a song. And so I, you know, kind of riff off of that and write down some words and then I'll come back and then put music to it. Other times... I just sit down and I kind of just play what I what I'm feeling, and then words kind of come as I'm playing. So I'll like go through whatever chord progression I'm I'm playing a couple times, and as I keep going through it, I start to write lyrics as I'm playing the music. So it's kind of simultaneous, but usually there's like one thing that does really start before the other, but then they kind of come together soon after. Hmm. Well, one of my favorite bits of yours, uh, which we we played. Um, at the opening is Mr. Executive. Yeah. Uh, so what inspires that kind of uh, lyric? Where where were you? What was going on in your life when you you produced that? Um, well, I know that you, you guys haven't played anything else from me yet, but I will let you know that that song is very different sounding than most of my other stuff. Um, but there's a really good story behind it, which is that about two years ago... I had a meeting with an executive uh, from a a major music label, Mm -hmm. and 
I went in and I got to play a few of my songs for him uh, in his office and I gave him my CD. And after I was done playing, he gave me a call back a few days later and just, you know, wanted to go over how it went and give his thoughts to me, which was really great. And he basically said, you know, your, your guitar playing is good. Like you have a really great voice, um, but your songwriting needs work. And when I heard that at the time, I was surprised because for me, honestly, I felt like my songwriting was the best part of, of my music. And I thought, if anything, I needed to work more on my guitar and my singing. Mm -hmm. And to hear that was kind of a shock because that's what I spent most of my time working on, really just being a songwriter. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of, at first it was a little upsetting because I felt, you know, oh, well, he's just saying this because what I'm writing doesn't fit into the pop, you know, scene or the pop view of things. And uh, I started by writing this song as like something I wanted to send to him. I was writing to him as Mr. Executive. Um, and it started out as kind of like, not, not a mean song, but it had a, a little harshness to it because I was upset. And then I realized, you know, this is a really great, I had a really great opportunity by meeting him and I had a really great experience with him and I learned a lot from it. And I wanted to really change that and write the song from a perspective of, all right, why don't I write a pop song? Because that's what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. Except that the lyrics of the song are going to be something that mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So it's like about finding a common ground between something that's marketable and sellable and something that's true and artistic from my point of view. So, and I think that's something that, you know, most, if not all artists struggle with, is finding that balance between like not wanting to sell out, but wanting to be able to, you know, make a living off what they do, but still be true to their art and their craft. So did you share this uh, new single with him, or has he not heard it as yet? Um, it's funny, actually. I don't think I sent it directly to him. I sent it to a few different executives that I was in touch with, and they all really liked it. Um, somehow I just never sent it back to him. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I will. I will at some point. Part of it was I wanted to have some more new material before I sent it to him. So, like, if he asked for more, I'd have. But at that point, I didn't have anything else. So I thought, you know, why don't I just hold off till I make some more music? But <laughs> well, let's let's get introduced to some of the music that you were doing before Mr. Executive uh, came on the scene. Ladies and gentlemen, here is "Just Fine" by Saul Kurtz. Just fine. Next morning, the 
executive didn't like this particular song why did you write this song and share this with him um well i don't know that he didn't like it but the <laughs> the, the, the main thing that that he said was he didn't see a common thread between the songs that i was writing and you know one thing you hear when you listen to artists these days is like they have a sound and i i was still kind of figuring out what my sound was mm-hmm. um but but this song just fine I wrote a few years ago and um it was at the time I was I had a girlfriend and you know she was going through some difficult time and not really sure where she was going to go in her life whether she you know once we graduated college was she going to go to the peace corps or do this or that I don't know and uh I basically wrote this song about you know knowing that there when you can see trouble in someone else's life and you can decide whether you want to fly right into that storm or if you want to just go around it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it was really about you know knowing that I cared about somebody but not wanting to just jump into someone else's storm so to say and still be able to like be there for that person but you know view it from the outside kind of thing. Talk to us about how you go about writing the lyrics for a song. Um, well, I mean, a lot of times I will just kind of like, almost like a journal, just write down what it is I'm thinking or feeling about a situation and I won't be paying attention to making it rhyme or making it clever or poetic or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'll go back and I'll read over what I've written and, and see like, what are, what are lines that stand out to me and, and what are, you know, things that, that really just stand out or mean a lot from what I've written. Mm-hmm. or capture the message of the song. And then I'll go back and see, okay, can I work this into like a lyric that's a little bit more poetic or has some imagery? Mm-hmm. Um, and with this song, you know, the beginning is really just telling the story of, you know, what was really happening 
you know, she called me up and she was upset and crying and, uh, and she couldn't really like find the words to tell me what was going on. And so that's kind of just, you know, the intro, there's a problem. And, uh, and then getting to the chorus, just being like, you know, I know that this is a tough time for you and I'm not going to like jump into your situation, but I'm here for you. And I know that you're going to be okay and you're going to make it out. All right. Mm. Um, and so I guess the storm thing just kind of, I don't know. I think that it just came to me. I don't think I was picking different images to, to try to associate with it, but I think that one just kind of, kind of came to me. Mm. Now you said that you're, you're constantly writing in your journal, different ideas or thoughts or, or captions, um, that you come back to. Yeah. Um, so what brings you back? Do you just, uh, sit and flip through your journal or talk to us as a writer, what are you doing? Um, well, there are just times when you've, I, I mean, at least for me, I can feel when I'm being inspired or when I can feel that something is like resonating with me. And so I try to always write it down, whether it's in my phone or in a journal or in a book or something. Um, but yeah, there are times when I just haven't written for a bit and I'm like, you know what, why don't I just go back and look at things that I've written a while ago and see if there's anything that catches my eye or that, you know, I feel could be used in a different song or could be used to build upon. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'll just flip through and see if anything sticks out. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I have tons of songs that are unfinished and, you know, I wrote a verse for and that was it or... I wrote a guitar riff for it and that was it and nothing happens with it. But, you know, I try to make sure that I spend a lot of time just trying to write stuff, even if it's not going to turn into something, because it really just helps me connect more to the writing process and become like more fluid from feeling something to getting it out onto the page or into the, you know, into the instrument. Not so long ago, I'm aware that you helped conduct a seminar at one of the schools in New York. If you're talking to other beginning writers, um, what what are you telling them are the one, two, three most important things they should be doing, or is it even like that? Well, I'd say the first and like most important thing is you have to like you definitely have to love and enjoy what you're doing because if you don't, then it's really hard to make something that's great if you're not really enjoying it, and so. Um, you know, I mean, I know what it was like when I was growing up being told to play piano and I'm very happy that I did. And I learned all those skills because I can use them now. But at the very beginning, it wasn't something that I necessarily chose to do or love to do. It kind of grew into that. And, um, but if you're like, you know, choosing for yourself or if you feel like, no, I don't want to spend this much time practicing and you don't like it, then it's hard to really make something great out of it. And I know this, I see it a lot actually when I teach tennis and parents are very, you know, they want their kids to start at a young age and they want them to do everything like that adults would be doing, but they're five years old Mm. and it puts a lot of pressure on them. And so then they just learn to not like it and they lose that passion for it. So I think you really need to first and foremost have the passion for it and know that it's something you love to do that brings joy to you. Mm -hmm. Um, from there, when it comes to just writing, I'd say if you can try to write every day, it just helps connect you to your instrument and to getting out what's in your head into words or music um, without having to like spend as much time thinking about it. It just becomes something that you can 
let go and and just kind of pour out of yourself. Um, go ahead. And lastly, I guess I would say doing things, starting slow and and building from there. I think a lot of times people want to get to full speed or they want to they want to do something really difficult to start. And I think the key is always to establish what it is that you can do very easily. Mm-hmm. And once you establish that foundation, mm-hmm. slowly build from there. Mm-hmm. Now, so, go ahead. Yes, please. I would say, like, instead of trying to, you know, learn a really crazy hard guitar solo, you know, start by, you could even, if you wanted to do the solo, like, Start one note at a time and just go at a really slow pace so you can feel every single note that you're hitting instead of trying to do everything as fast as it is in the song, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, in, in a moment, I'm going to ask you about the difference between um, being a performer and being uh-huh. a singer-songwriter. But going back to your three points, I'm, I'm glad that you, you, you tied the joy of sport to the joy of music or to the joy of anything, having to have that passion and enjoyment um, before yep. you go into it. But what um, what do you tell a, per, a, a, a person who sees other musicians? It looks like fun. They think, hey, this is something I want to go into, but they yep. don't know anything about the hard work that it takes. How do you, you move from there to a position of joy or to discover whether or not you're a position of joy? And at the same time, as you said, they might be starting off as a kid how, yeah. how what do you suggest to them um well if, i mean if you know like you're listening to music and you enjoy and you first like you just enjoy music you enjoy listening to it you enjoy different aspects of it seeing it live um that's definitely a good start it doesn't mean that you're going to love playing it but that's a good start to know that you like the whole idea of it um then if you, then i'd say you just you have to try things you know if see if you want to play guitar, see if you want to play piano, see if there's any instrument that just you feel connected to and you want to try. And um, yes, it definitely does take time and, and some energy. But I'd also say like in the practicing period, if you can find a way to only do as much as you want to do without going overboard and feeling pressure or stress, then that is the most likely way to lead to you enjoying what you're doing. Um, if it gets to a point where it's creating stress in your life, then it's difficult to, I think, be passionate about it if it's causing you stress. Mm. So I think that also ties into like moving in a progression and starting slow, mm-hmm. it's starting at a place where you feel totally comfortable doing something mm-hmm. um, and working your way up from there. Did you always know that you wanted to be a singer-songwriter at, at some point and had mentors in that sense or... Or did you just stumble into it? Um, well, I, I always had, like, different teachers, you know, teaching me whatever instrument I was learning at the time right. when I was growing up. Right. Um, but at, at that time, no, I did not think I wanted to be a singer-songwriter in any way. I just liked playing music. Um, and it wasn't until I was about, I'd say, 18 years old, 18 or 19, that I knew for sure that I really wanted to do it. And... I've been writing music for like two years at that point, and when I was like 18 or 19, I, I went on this trip for tennis actually to go teach down in the Caribbean, and it was the first time where I played for like a group of people who I didn't know, and they just kind of like lit up and had a really 
wonderful response to it, and they just they loved it. And it was the first time I felt like people really loved what I was doing musically and were responsive to it and supportive of it. And just having that feeling really emphasized and for me, you know, that I could really, I could do this and that I could, I could connect with people through music and I could bring out, you know, joy in other people through doing this. And that was really, that was the moment where I knew for sure, like, wow, I really want to do this. I, I love this. Um, and so then it kind of took off from there and I didn't have that many mentors, so to say that were like, you know, guiding me in terms of like being physically present in my life, you know, teaching me these things. It was more, I had musicians that I looked up to, you know, artists I really loved listening to. And, uh, I had a, a pretty solid background in music where I could start to teach myself things and you know it was at that point that I it was a really funny story I didn't know how to play guitar mm-hmm. and the way I found out that I wanted to play guitar was I got really good at the the game Guitar Hero yeah <laughs> and like I got ridiculously good at this game and then I realized this is really sad because I'm I'm a musician and I'm musical and I could just learn how to play this instead of playing like plastic buttons on a fake guitar <laughs> so I had a friend of mine just I was like, can you just show me some basic chords? And and he did. And from there, I, I taught myself almost everything that I know on guitar um, chords. You know, nowadays, you can look everything up online. You can look up tabs. You can look up how to play chords. Mm-hmm. You can watch videos on YouTube of how to do things. Um, and so I just I learned it all by myself, and I did it at a pace that was comfortable for me, whether it was playing five minutes and putting it down and then doing something else and coming back and playing for five minutes and doing something else again. I never felt like I was being forced to do it and I never felt pressure to do it. It was just something I knew that I like to do at the own, my own pace that I like to do it at. Mm-hmm. Well, when we are back, we're going to find out more about uh, Saul's travels and about the difference between uh, being a performer and being a singer-songwriter.
That was Us Against the World by Saul Kurtz and Sally Greenwood. That's a cover of a Coldplay song. And um, I actually met Sally on one of my trips. I was down in Turks and Caicos in the, um, in the Caribbean. Just, I was there for, for tennis, really. I go down there somewhat often to teach. And she's one of the very well-known songwriters on the island and she performs a lot all over the place all over the island so I, I saw her play a bunch and I connected with her and and we started to play some music together and we thought it'd be great to record something together and that's how we came up with that song and uh, we have a few other covers that we do as well um, but yeah I, I do travel a lot um, for tennis mostly um, and it's been really amazing because I've met a lot of different people through my travels, both people who are in the industry or also just artists as well, or people who've kind of just connected me with, you know, other events in my life. You know, I, I traveled to England for a few gigs that I played in London and to see some friends of mine that I had met when I was studying abroad in York. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because uh, a good friend of mine who I met through there he um, he was getting married, and he asked me to play at his wedding. So I got to go back again to England to perform at his wedding. And, I, you know, I've met some amazing people through my travels, and it's definitely influenced my writing, you know, my this, you know even just stylistically, some of the songs that I have written. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a great part of my life that I love. Ladies and gentlemen, you are on... The Journey. I am your host, Neville D'Angelo. My guest is Saul Kurtz. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you, Ari. Well, check out our books, Grow Your Talent. It's all about the thrills, skills, and spills. You can enjoy many of our books, Be Enchanted, Be Amazed, Refill Your Life, Love, and Laughter for less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Take them with you. Enjoy. Now, what's your favorite uh, place? Do you have a favorite place that you have traveled to? I would say Anguilla. Ah. (laughs) Tell us why. Well, that was the place where I first knew that I wanted to be a musician for my living. With that story I told you, that's where I was. Oh, that was at Anguilla. That's a beautiful little island. Very small, though. Very small, yes. (laughs) Very beautiful. And the water is so warm, and it's just a very relaxing place to be. And that's when I'm very relaxed like that, I can I can write well. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's good. Now, what's the difference between a performance artist uh, 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 and a singer-songwriter, in your view? Um, well, it's interesting because for a long time, even though I was performing, I would still only really consider myself more of a songwriter. Because I wasn't spending any time working on the performance aspect of 
of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there are definitely lots of people who, what, what they do is they just write songs and um, they can then send those songs to artists that they think would be well fit for the song and who could then perform it and record it. Um, and I thought about potentially doing that as well, but through the, the guidance of my, I guess my biggest musical mentor who is my manager and also uh, kind of ironically my boss as well for tennis. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell us about that later, but go ahead. <laughs> um, but he's helped me so much with the performance aspect and really I've spent a lot of time with him working on, you know, how can I be a better performer? And the reason why that became important was because I realized the whole reason why I'm why I'm doing music and making music and that music is a part of my life is because for me, I want to be able to connect with people. And the way that I connect best to people is through my music. And when I get up on stage to perform, I want to be able to connect with the audience. I don't want it to just be about me singing these songs that, you know, are personal to my life. I want it to be about sharing something with these people who are listening and connecting with something that maybe they've experienced, even if I don't know who they are. You know, I know that there's common experiences that we all share and feelings that we all share, and I want the music to serve as a way to connect me to those people in that way. So in order to do that, I had to really work on how to be a better performer and how to get better at connecting with the audience. And how Uh, how do you... Sorry, go ahead. Tell us how you do that. Go ahead. Um, Part of it is just, you know, first taking a moment before I even start a song to feel like I can connect with the music, with the song, with the story that I'm trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, it goes into being able to like look out into the audience and really feel like I'm singing it to them. Like I'm not just singing to myself. I'm not just singing to like a blank crowd. It's like there, I can like look at people and really try to feel their presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's that's a, a big piece of it. And another thing is just trying to maintain a certain energy level while you're playing, you know, gauging what is the audience like, you know, are they feeling rowdy? Are they like, are they just relaxed and enjoying listening? It's something where you always have to be paying attention in the moment to like what is in front of you. It's not always going to be the same thing. And you kind of have to feed off of the energy that, that you see, that you feel from the audience. What kind of audiences do you like playing to? Um, well, I'd say, you know, in the past, I'd say more audiences that would like to just sit and kind of listen and just kind of absorb what's going on mm-hmm. um, because my music tended to be a little bit more mellow and not something that would really get you up and dancing. So it would be harder when I try to play those songs for a crowd of people who want to just, you know, get up and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've definitely shifted my music recently towards more upbeat stuff and trying to create things that do get people to move. Like, you know, Mr. Executive is a good example of a song that I imagine people are dancing to. Yeah, I usually am dancing to it when I'm listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's an image for the audience. <laughs> right. yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm definitely moving towards wanting to play to, to crowds that want to move. and. Right. It's all about, you know, which song does what, but it's also about creating a set that does both. Like, 
that starts out with getting people to move and then has a part built in where, you know, you can take a breather and relax and just listen for a minute. And then I can take you back up and get you to move again. It's, you know, it's the whole arc of, of a performance. Wonderful. Here is Saul Kurtz taking a Jay-Z rap song and changing its musical setting. Let's see if you can recognize it. Encore. by Jay-Z and uh, it's, a, it's a unique song for me and the reason is really because a lot of people hear that song and at first they, they don't recognize it because I'm playing it acoustically and I'm singing it. I'm not, I'm not really rapping. Um, and that's one thing that I like to do. I like to take you know, different songs, especially hip-hop and rap songs and kind of put them into a different musical setting like this, being more acoustic and um, in some ways relaxed, but it's just, it's a different sound. And I think it, it definitely throws people off in a sense, because they're not used to hearing, you know, words that they know in a musical setting that's unfamiliar to them. But it's also refreshing when you can hear songs that you know in different settings. And I, I do love a lot of hip hop and rap. And so I've found 
a, a kind of unique way to incorporate that into my personal style of being a songwriter by just, you know, taking it into an acoustic setting uh, or singing the songs instead of rapping them and, and putting my own little unique spin on that. So I, I like to do that. I have a song that I do. I do a cover of the Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love? Um, I also have a medley of songs that I like doing that, you know, covers Lil Wayne, T.I., and then also Red Hot Chili Peppers, even though that's not hip-hop or rap. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I like taking, you know, musical influences of mine that don't fit necessarily in with the types of songs that I typically write and putting my own spin on it. Tell us about your uh, tennis life. I've been playing tennis a long time as well. I started a little later than I started music. Probably I started playing around eight years old, and I played on my high school team, and I played in college. And um, when I was about 15 years old, I, I met my current boss and also manager. Uh, he was playing tennis at the local tennis club where I where I play sometimes, and he was looking for a hitter, somebody to just come and feed balls and play points. He had injured himself, so he couldn't do that anymore, so he just needed somebody to do that for him while he gave instruction. Mm -hmm. And he asked my friend, and my friend said no, and I was like, I'll do this. This sounds great. So uh, his name is Peter Rennert, uh -huh. and he is a former top 10 in the world professional tennis player. Huh. Um, he was doubles partners with John McEnroe. He got up to being ranked ninth in the world in doubles and 39th in the world in singles. And he's played some of, you know, the best players in the world, like Bjorn Borg in Wimbledon. Uh, he made it to the quarterfinals of the Australian Open two years in a row. So he was a very, very good tennis player. Um, unfortunately, he had a very short-lived career. He ended when he was 26 due to injury, but um, he did have a very amazing career while he was playing. He was a big mentor to me in the tennis as well. Um, he kind of just taught me everything that he knows about tennis and about the whole approach to to learning and to how to teach tennis. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, amazingly been a huge part of not just what I do on the tennis court, but also what I do in music and what I do in my own life. Um, and the, the main philosophy of what he teaches and what now I teach with him is all about creating an optimal learning environment for people so that they feel comfortable and so that they feel that they're in a space where they can learn and are willing to learn. Um, a lot of times when we're introduced to new things, it's easy to kind of put up a wall and, and shut down and not be receptive to new information. And so the whole purpose of or the whole approach to this is to, to create this environment where you can give someone the best chance to really take in information and become their own learner for themselves. I love it. I love that philosophy. I have different clients who who travel and they you know they like to play tennis a lot, and so I travel with them and, and coach them. I absolutely love it. I mean, I get I love traveling in itself, so I get to do that. I love being on the court, so I get to play, and I love helping people to learn, and so it's a great combination. Share with us um, some uh, life lessons that have been so valuable to you that you've learned from tennis. Um, I think one thing that's really, really important that gets overlooked a lot is the power of 
your breath. And, you know, it's related to tennis, it's related to music, it's related to all of life. And, you know, the first thing that I always emphasize when I'm teaching a lesson is to breathe when you're hitting the ball. Because a lot of times people, they hold their breath. And if, you, if you're not breathing, you can't do whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sounds like silly just to talk about it because it's so, you know, it's so it's such a common thing. We mm-hmm. breathe, you know? Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we, we actually do forget to breathe or yeah. we hold our breath <laughs> and things are stressful for us. Right. And, you know, same with music. Um, a lot of music, and especially singing, is figuring out, where the spacing is for you to breathe so that you can not only hit the notes that you want to hit, but that they have support from your breath and that you don't lose your breath at different parts of the song because of where you're breathing earlier on. So that's a really, you know, important role there as well. And then just even in life, like if you pay attention, there are moments where people get stressed out and you may notice for yourself that you hold your breath in certain situations. And if you can breathe through those situations it makes a tremendous difference even from like going to an interview you know Mm -hmm. or just doing something that you're not used to or something that's new um it makes a big difference so that's that's one big thing i would say that well well, Saul, before you go on to the next one i must tell you it's nice to hear someone else say that you you do look at uh tell remind people about breathing and you could see them wanting to say, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> <They don't, laughs> right? I know. <laughs> they don't realize. <laughs> so I'm, I wouldn't have to use my voice now. I'm going to switch you on. And say, <laughs> I love it. I love that you said that. All right. What, what, what was your next lesson? The, the name of the approach that we, that we teach is called the effortless approach. And uh, it's not because it, it means that you're not using effort. It just means that you start from a place where things feel effortless Mm -hmm. and you need to be able to establish a foundation for yourself of things that you can do that feel effortless. And that has guided me a lot through music and tennis and life, because there are moments when you just feel like things are falling into place and it just seems so easy. Mm -hmm. And you want, I feel like it's important to follow those things. You know, like I was working with a couple producers and, you know, it, it was, difficult to work with them on a musical level and so that wasn't the right relationship for us to to work together and then I met somebody else and it was like the easiest thing in the world we just connected we were totally understood each other musically and just able to communicate very easily and it's important to recognize when you feel that things can feel effortless and follow that and now I'm you know I'm making a bunch of songs with this producer because I, you know, we just have a great relationship and it just feels easy and natural. Well, thank you so much, Saul. It is a pleasure and a plus to have you on the journey. Before we listen to your most recent song, please tell us about the song and tell us how we can keep in touch with you. This last song is a new song. It's, it's called Partner in Crime. And I just finished recording it in the studio uh, in the past couple weeks. And it definitely represents a, a new direction for me. Um, not that all my new stuff is going to sound like this, but it's just really I haven't re- put out any new material in quite a few years now. So this is really, you know, a fresh start. Um, and I've really had an amazing time working with, the producer that I've worked with, 
on this on this song and the other songs that I'm working on, and I, I really feel like I'm at a, a new place musically. So I'm really excited about this song. Um, it'll be released on iTunes, I'm sure, and I actually just shot a music video for it as well, so that'll be available as well. Um, and you can find all the information on my music and my, my music video and all the things I'm doing on my website, which is just www.saulkurtz.com. That's S-A-U-L-K-U-R-T-Z.com. And uh, I have a Facebook fan page that you can follow me at. It's just facebook.com slash saulkurtzmusic. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it that much. So those are the two main places where you can find me at. So... Without further ado, uh, this is my new song. This is the first listen that anyone will have at it, so I hope you enjoy it. Partner in Crime.
Saul Kurtz, Partner in Crime. S-A-U-L-K-U-R-T-Z dot com. Keep listening and remember to breathe. See you next week.